This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. The J-Man, the Joseph, the what, 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 what are you going to call you there? What's your nickname? You ever have a nickname besides Joe? When I played football, people shortened the last name to Fort. Fort? Fort. But that's okay. not really a nickname. It's just shortening the name. It's just laziness and apathy. Never a 40? You ever get hit with 40? 40! Yeah, a little bit, but not like it's not like it caught on. Again, it's just apathy. It's people shortening the name for their convenience. Right. And if there's anyone more apathetic than me, we'll find them. Yeah, you go, you could, hey, uh, like there you go. Just barely get the syllable out of the J for Joe, <laughs> and we're getting to a point where we've really scaled everything back to where Use it needs to be. Use the sound that we uh, used the other day to describe the Chicago Bears offense. There you go. Ultimately, I would like all human interaction to boil down to a head nod. That's it. I want to cut out all conversation. I want to cut out all chit-chat. I want everything boiling down to a head nod. Either we're with with each other, up and down, or we're not. Sideways. That's it. Again, but that for you is more about efficiency than anything else. That's also my disdain for society at large. Okay. Well, bigger issue there. Yeah. I'll we we don't have that. time to get into that today. I've got therapy later today, so we can have a chat with the uh, uh, in between our show meeting later on and the end of the show. A little remote session. A little, little remote session. session of therapy today. So if there's anything you think I need to work on specifically, Evan, anything, uh, by all means, uh, submit a list by 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll get a Google Doc up and running for yeah. you. Yeah, excellent. Joseph, Travis Kelsey this week, we understand how much attention he has gotten for everything going on in his personal life. But there is an aspect of this that has not been talked about enough. And that is, we are seeing the greatest tight end of all time in his prime, continuing to play at a ridiculous level, especially when it matters the most. Yet, I am not fully convinced that we are going to see him for much longer than this week. And I'll get to that in a few minutes. But more than anything, when you get a chance to see the greatest of all time do it, it's something that we need to appreciate a little bit more. I personally think that Kelsey is better than Gronk and is the greatest of all time. This is a very difficult conversation to have because you have a lot of very worthy candidates. But nuance is very important in this discussion. I want to throw the name Tony Gonzalez out there. Mm-hmm. Tony Gonzalez, pre-Gronk, pre-Kelsey, was he widely accepted as the greatest tight end of all time? If not, he was one of. Can we say that at the very least? Mm-hmm. One of. He's put up some ridiculous numbers over a very long period of time. From 99, I'm just looking at his pro football reference page right now, 99 on, it's just Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, All-Pro. Gap in 2009, 16-game season. Hmm, I wonder what happened there. And then we went Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, All Pro, Pro Bowl. Sounds like I'm saying Provos in Utah. Point is, <laughs> he has put he put together a ridiculous career. Pro Bowl, All Pro, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, Pro, Pro, Pro Bowl, uh, Salt Lake City, Provo, <laughs> Park City, Provo. But he didn't play with Brady. He didn't play no. with Mahomes. You know, it's not exactly a coincidence that the two guys that first came out of your mouth in terms of greatest tight ends of all time also happened to play with the two guys who are considered to be the greatest quarterbacks of all time. That has to factor in. And with Gonzalez, he didn't have that. 
So how do we factor that in? On top of it, the early stages of, of Tony G's career, late 90s, early 2000s, the league wasn't nearly as pass-happy as it is right now. And then on top of that, the league wasn't nearly as offensive-friendly as it is right now. You can't touch Travis Kelsey without there being a flag thrown on the field, right? You can't get away with that at the tail end of Gronk's career. But in Tony G's career, you get leveled over the middle. You can get held. You can get grabbed. So now it comes down to that whole Jordan-LeBron thing where we've got to compare the eras. That's what makes this so difficult. Kelsey's place in history, he can walk away today. He's solidified as one of the all-time greats, just like Gronk is, just like Tony G is. But it's so hard for me to sit here and say he's the guy, he's the greatest of all time, when it's a very different era. It's very much more favorable towards him. And you know what? If I took Kelsey and I put him in Tony G's shoes with the quarterbacks he played with, what kind of results do we get? Probably not as great. Doesn't mean he's not as great, but his situation wasn't as great. Andy Reid was asked the very question about Travis Kelsey this week. Is he the greatest tight end of all time? I think all these guys want to do the best they possibly can and uh, to play the best they possibly can. Um, and then I'd tell you Travis's numbers probably stand up for themselves. Uh, I would tell you that he has an opportunity to go down as uh, one of the best, if not the best, uh, tight ends to play. Does he spend a ton of time worrying about that? I don't think he does. He, every game he goes, you know, let's just go win. I mean, that's, that's kind of his thinking. And, um, and uh, however, he's competitive. And during crunch time, you know, he's going to be there for you um, and, and want the ball to, you know, to help out the team. Not the most ringing endorsement, but certainly talks about how much winning is important to him. I believe him to be the greatest of all time simply for this reason. Oh, you've you've made the declaration. I have. Oh, okay. And it's simply for this reason. This is somebody that has been the focal point of defensive game plans for a long, long time. And basically, nobody has been able to solve him not finding a way to get open. Double teams, whatever they are, Somehow, this guy always finds room to open it up for his quarterback. And so for me, when I see that out of a player, that translates into the word unstoppable. And when I think about him, I think unstoppable. I do. And it's funny, like, not too long ago, I'd say, you know what, November, December, if you're really paying attention, he was not playing all that great. He really wasn't. But then playoffs came around and the numbers have gone way back up. And just the playoff games, take us through some of that. Because the playoff game numbers. Oh, his career numbers? Evan, do you have those? I've got it right here. We talked about those this morning. Well, yes. Good grief. Listen to these numbers. I've got it here, okay? Well, then why'd you ask me to take you Because it was your research. I was trying to. Pay I don't a believe homage that. To I it. don't believe that was my research. I thought I it believe was. that was the boys in the back. Evan, you did that, right? No, oh, I thought I he stole did. it from Twitter, but sure. Yeah. Okay. So that's well, yours. So, Ari Merov. Let's give credit where it's due. Ari Merov from the thirty third team. That's who had that up there. Okay. okay. Well, I deserve literally no credit at all in any of this. I don't think I had anything to do with anything here. So from now on, just claim everything as my own. Got it. That's not what anyone said. Last I don't think that was said by anyone. Games. Last 12 playoff Last games. Last 12 playoff games. 104 catches, 1,178 yards, 
13 touchdowns. 12 playoff games. Four. Four? Five of those 12 playoff games. More than 10 catches. Think about that for a second. Oh, by the way, these are playoff games, so they're against the best teams in the NFL. Exactly. It's not like it's the uh, last 12 games against uh, the Raiders. Yeah. He's really had some big numbers. Well, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's the Raiders. I mean, you talk about the consistency. Only, we said 13 touchdowns. Only two of the 12 playoff games he did not have a touchdown in. I mean, that's absurd. That's Those absolutely are... absurd. Granted, he's been in better positions to win with Mahomes and obviously has played more playoff games. And your point about Gonzalez is fair. But when you put up those numbers in the playoffs, it's hard for me to argue with what you're doing. I think you made one of the best points possible regarding his career, the fact that he's always open. In the Baltimore game, it was either a third and short or a fourth and short where Mahomes drops back and then over to the left, he flicks it out into the like the flat. Kelsey grabs it, he gets six yards, he gets tackled, he's wide open. I'm thinking to myself, how in the hell is the most important player not named Patrick Mahomes on the offense wide open on a critical third and one or fourth and one, whatever it was? People it's have been like, asking, well, he just gets open. It's like, I don't understand yeah. that. Are the Ravens not paying attention to what's happening? And it's like, no, you don't understand. It's it's really hard to defend this guy. I'm like, I, I guess because it, he just keeps getting open. Hamilton was on him like a blanket on that touchdown that he caught. And Mahomes threw a dime and Kelsey made the play. You're going to war. Mahomes, Kelsey, Brady, Gronk. I mean, it, again, it, listen, with the dead air. It's, it's one like the and, guy just joined. But radio. I'm trying to consider the question. No, without you got shotgun the answer fast. out there immediately. And then you can work your way back if you made a mistake. Uh, I'll take Mahomes. And, Mahomes and, and Kelsey. Kelsey. Well, just because, guess what? The British just won the Revolutionary War. Sorry. So there goes history. Sorry. I, I'll take Mahomes and Kelsey because... I can't believe how quick we have all been to dismiss everything New England has done. I'm not dismissing The last three months have been about how Brady's not the best quarterback, Belichick sucks as a coach, and Gronk is pretty good tight end, probably number two. Like, think about how fast we flipped on everything that happened in New England over, I don't know, two-plus decades? Hmm. Uh, listen, yeah, they I did not, it to themselves. I they stopped not, playing. I, you quit? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't tell you to quit. Brady, you, you quit. walked away. That's on you. That's on you, bro. <laughs> you said you had more in you. You're done. We forget about you. See you later. <laughs> By the way, don't Just be ridiculous. Don't be stunned. Don't be stunned if you see Kelsey walk away after this. Based oh, on the, right. he, he said about two months ago to the Wall Street Journal, I think about retirement all the time. So, well, I mean, so do I. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm walking away after this show. Joe has checked out already. <laughs> I, I think Kelsey financially could. I don't know that we I, could. I can't. And I literally do think about retirement every day, at least in a passing moment. Like, God, I can't wait to Well, speaking of finances. Carlin versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Final two of the night, NBA edition. Pacers minus six and a half over the Warriors. Awful spot for the Warriors. Fifth game on a five-game road trip, all happening in seven days. Fifth road game in seven days. Are you nuts? I'll take the Pacers. They're rested. I like them to cover the six and a half. But within that game, Steph Curry over three and a half made three-pointers. Over three and a half made three-pointers. It's minus 150. He's averaging four and a half per game on the season. Total in this game is like 250. And you got a Pacers team that ranks 19th in three-point defense. What am I missing? Final two piece of monies. Steph Curry over three and a half made three pointers minus 150. Pacers minus six and a half over the dubs. 
Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Series XM Channel 80. Is Saquon Barkley going to take a home down, a hometown discount to stay with the Giants? We will ask him next on ESPN Radio, including the iHeartRadio app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S A V E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you talk to defensive coordinators around the league, it is we have to stop Saquon. We've been talking about it all day. Running back's going to be a huge part of Super Bowl 58. May even decide the game. It is Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. We welcome in a pretty darn good running back in himself. That is Saquon Barkley, who joins us right now, the Giants running back. Saquon, it's Chris Carlin, along with Joe Fortenbaugh. Appreciate a few minutes. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? We're, we're doing fantastic. So we want to start with the game here. And just the idea of the running back position in this game, especially with Christian McCaffrey, do you think that this Super Bowl and these guys, Pacheco as well, can help change what the perception has become in the league of the running back position? Um, no, I, I don't. I don't really see it like that. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, those two are playing at such a high level, um, you know, Christian kind of being the focal point of that offense and helping lead his team, you know, with all the talent around him, but helping lead his team to a Super Bowl, it speaks volumes itself. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think. It was a trend last year. It was a, it was a conversation with the running back position. You know, you know, three of us getting tagged and you know, really not getting uh, long term deals. But at the end of the day, and as an athlete and as a, as a as a player, you know the respect you get from your peers. You know the respect that you get from your coaches. I've been multiple times after a game, 
coaches come to me and, and you know say say a lot of positive things and, uh you know knowing that I'm a, I'm a big focal point of the game plan and trying to stop so the running back position is definitely still alive you know one of the intriguing stories that surfaced this past week non-super bowl related is that new chargers head coach jim harbaugh was talking about one of his top free agent priorities this offseason is you trying to bring you into the fold with the L.A. Chargers. Have you thought about that considering, hey, as a Penn State guy, you went head-to-head with that Michigan man. You can't like it. Uh, yeah, um, definitely had some some battles with, with, with Coach over there uh, in Michigan. Um, yeah, I've I seen that. Um, you know, my, my main thing is just control where I can control. Uh, I got nothing but respect for, for Coach Harbaugh, um, big fan of, of Justin. Um, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, but hey, you know, the NFL is the NFL. It's, it's business. Um, everyone knows what my heart is, but uh, if that happens, uh, I, I will love it. We've looked at this. You you have had a tremendous career with the Giants. You mentioned that your heart is with the Giants. The fans would obviously love if you end up staying in New York. Is there a way in which, as these negotiations eventually unfold, in which a hometown discounts in play with someone like that, or given the franchise tag and everything that's happened in the past, is this about maximizing the benefits now? Um, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, it's more about just, you know, control what I can control. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and, and get into numbers or, you know, say discounts or say maxing out. Um, I've, I've spoken to uh, They know that the organization over there, they know. Uh, really not, to be honest, really not that hard to, to, to deal with. Um, but, hey, if we can find something, we can make something work, then I would love that. But if not, I get it, too. It's a business. Um, and I know everyone knows my heart is, and I got nothing but respect um, for everyone, from everyone over there, uh, starting with the Tish and, and their family. Uh, Saquon, we heard Kayvon Thibodeau say a few weeks back it didn't sit well with him that the Giants uh, decided to pay Daniel prior to paying you last off season and felt that in the locker room a little bit. Did you feel like that was something that was felt in the locker room this season? Um, no, I, I don't, I don't really don't, you know, I, I've seen a clip. I don't know um, that he, he really meant to say like it was felt in the locker room. And I think a lot of people kind of took it you know, the wrong way. Like it, he never said that he didn't believe Daniel Jones shouldn't get paid. He actually said he's happy Daniel got get paid right before he said that. I just think um, does it take effect in the locker room? No, it doesn't. I'm not saying that. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe that. But uh, I do have a C in my chest for a reason. The way you get a C in your chest is being voted by, by your peers and by your teammates. Um, and I try to do things the right way. Um, and you know, a lot of the people in, the, in, that, in that locker room uh, know what I bring um, and know what I'm about. So uh, it definitely probably, you know, for a guy like that, um, you know, just experiencing his rookie year, seeing the business out of it, you see a guy who probably does things the right way and can play at a high level, and you know they're not able to get something done. It probably comes as a shock, but I don't think it was a diss to, to Daniel. I don't think it was a diss to anyone in the organization, um, and he was just speaking from the heart, and I appreciate that. It, it, it's tough. A lot, a lot of people won't do that um, uh, to, to stand up for a teammate like that, and, and I'm big on that. So uh, I, I, I owe Sid a big one for, for saying that uh, live. You know what, Saquon, if you're not going to let us take things out of context, what are we doing here? I mean, this is what we do. You know, we got to make a living, too, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. I, I got I to gotta, I gotta clear it up, though, too. I got to, you know, uh, <laughs> even though I'm technically not a giant right now. So that's my teammate. That's my dog. And um, you know, I got to have his back. 
All right, so we got to get to the question I know everybody has been wondering about uh, since we started the interview. Uh, why exactly was it that you blew off your oral commitment to Rutgers like it was uh, basically a piece of lint and decided to, you know, sell out and go to Penn State? What's that about? Uh, don't, don't, <laughs> hey, don't buy into this. As a Penn State guy, you don't need to buy into this, Saquon. You can be evasive. No, what you call it? It actually wasn't as easy as people think. Um, I wasn't. I, I, I wasn't going to do it. I got an offer from Penn State first with Bill O'Brien, um, and I didn't decommit. It wasn't until Franklin came in. Franklin kind of, uh, you know, changed changed my mind um, and just understanding the, the alumni there. And uh, I felt like Penn State would be the best fit for me not only for football-wise, but for after football, just in case if everything didn't work out. All right, well, you know what? Thanks for bringing that up, because I called that game, I remember <laughs> that game, and you ran all over us, so thanks a lot. Uh, that's number one. <laughs> and number two, I would point this out. There's one Rutgers running back who is starting in the Super Bowl for the second consecutive year. You know what I mean? Oh, Maybe wow. if we made Here a decision, yeah, make the right decision, you know, you end up in the Super Bowl. Rutgers is running back you, is what you're saying. Well, I'm saying Super Bowl <laughs> is, you know, the place for Rutgers to shine. I got three players here. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, hey, I can't argue that. Um, that's my goal. I want to get to the Super Bowl. So, um, hopefully, uh, you know, I can use some, some, some Penn State uh, uh, vibes to, to help me get there. All right. What are you doing today? Fill us in on what you're up to. Yeah, uh, here I'm, today I'm here with Silk, and it's all about starting my day right. Um, as an athlete, you try to stay fit and strong year-round. Um, sorry for the noise in the background, but uh, you try to stay fit and strong year-round. Um, and you want to put something uh, delicious with your bo- in your body with great nutrients, um, and that's what Silk does. Silk, Silk's a great product, and I'm happy to be able to uh, partner with them. I'm happy to be able to be with them. It's authentic. It's real to me. Um, the, the Silk Field Plenty Good Challenge is a challenge that happened in January. Um, and I was able to take part in that, and I could see, see the benefits from it. I could see how my body feels. So um, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to be part with them. And, uh, you know, we created a great uh, smoothie, the Tofu Touchdown, and hopefully uh, uh, you know, people were able to, to enjoy it. Saquon, great stuff. We appreciate the time. Best of luck this off season. Listen, one thing we know, you're going to get paid somewhere. That's for sure. Uh, good luck with that. And, listen, we all make mistakes in life, and hopefully you've learned from yours. Have a great day. <laughs> Thank you, Saquon. <laughs> Saquon Barkley, the Giants running back, at least for the moment. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Series 6M, Channel 80. My friends, when you're trying to find quality candidates, all the searching, screening, and interviewing, that can become a job itself. You need, indeed, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to interview, screen, and hire quality people. Visit indeed.com slash credit. One comment was made this week that was not the biggest endorsement for one coach that just got hired, and it's been flying under the radar a bit. Uh, My friends in Chicago, you may want to pay attention. Next, on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. They said what? what? I have to believe one and one is three. I, I can't. I can't uh, operate where one and one is two. They said what? what? 
I tell you what, I can never get enough of it, and every time it blows me away, that line, and I always forget it's coming. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. God bless Jerry Jones. But unfortunately, he is not part of today's They Said What. Let us start with Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs tight end, who was asked this week during a press availability if the 49ers or Taylor Swift would be getting a ring first. Who's getting a ring first? The Niners or Taylor? <laughs> I'm hoping I get this ring on Sunday. I know that. Oh, cop out! Captain cop out! Have some guts! Have some guts, Travis! Or are you saving it for your podcast? I got a little theory. So we have not heard the Jason Kelsey official retirement yet. I'm going to go out on a limb and make this prediction. Evan, Handman, you tell me if you're in on this or not. Jason and Travis do a joint retirement press conference or a joint retirement announcement on their podcast. And then they announce their big media conglomerate that they are starting. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm in on that. That's Man a good theory. Yeah, that's a really good uh, thought by you, and, and I'm, I'm in on it. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, listen, we can all apply there. <laughs> See if we can join them. Because the Kelseys, let's just call it what it is. The Kelseys know what they're doing. <laughs> it has been amazing. I was in Philadelphia doing shows when Jason had not yet emerged as this super celebrity, and it was all that speech in Philadelphia at the parade when they won the Super Bowl that really set this all off, and it's been amazing to watch, and he's a good dude. All right, next. My friends, the Chicago Bears fans, this is, uh, this is not so great. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Seahawks wide receiver, the rookie, was on with Go Sports in Chicago and was asked about his former offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, who, of course, is the new offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. Bears fans are super interested about the offensive coordinator coming in, Shane Waldron. What can you tell them about who they just hired to, to uh, try to get this offense where it needs to go? Um, uh, oh. this, is, this is live. Yeah, <laughs> we're not live. We're not. Live. I'm playing. Um, <laughs> uh, good luck to y'all. I mean, he, he's a he's a great person. <laughs> Could you get any more beyond the? Uh, is this live? And then he realized he kind of said that, and then he said, oh, "I'm just playing." Yeah, he's a great person. Oh my God! You know how many people have described me? Oh, he's he's a he's a great person. Sure. Yeah. Next, Tony Pollard, Cowboys running back on the Pat McAfee show this week. Was asked about his defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, becoming the commander's new head coach. Your guys' defensive coordinator obviously got the head coaching gig in Washington. I think you guys are still going through the process, right, of figuring out who that D.C. might be. When you got when you face that defense, you guys have stars everywhere you look. What do you think? What do you look for them for next year, and who do you think they might bring in? Um, You know, it's crazy. <laughs> See, I hadn't been on social media. Like, I kind of, I got rid of Ooh. Instagram like midway through the season. How come? How come? Too much people being negative? I mean, being a, a cowboy, you just have to find ways to keep your mental on point. You know. Yeah, keep the noise out. Yeah. Did you just find out you lost your defensive coordinator? I just found out right now. <laughs> that happened like a week ago. 
Tony Pollard just found out now. I'll give him credit. We all talk about wanting to take a step back and unplug. That's unplugging. Like, you know, oh, damn, Dan Quinn's gone. Damn. It's not just like a position coach. No, man. That's, uh, tell you what, I give him credit for not being locked in on what's going on because that, that feels like he has been on a true vacation. Up next, Tom Brady on the Let's Go podcast with Tom Brady, Larry Fitzgerald, and Hall of Fame broadcaster Jim Gray. Still waiting to find out the Hall of Fame. But we're both Hall of Fame broadcasters now. I, of course, am in the Williamsport Crosscutters Hall of Fame. And Jim Gray is uh, in some Hall of Fame that I would expect to be less than that. Uh, here they are on Sirius XM on Monday. Asked Tom uh, if he was surprised that Bill Belichick did not get hired. I don't know the criteria for hiring these guys, for hiring coaches. You know, I have never been a part of it. I mean, I'm surprised that the greatest coach ever doesn't have a job. You know, absolutely. But, you know, I'm surprised a lot of things in the NFL. When I was a free agent, there was a lot of teams that didn't want me. There's a lot of things that happened that, you know, for one reason or another, don't go exactly the way, you, you know, you think they should go. But we, this is an aspect of this story that we have not talked about. Ev, Handman, I'll ask you this. Isn't there a part of Brady that right now is loving this? Is loving the fact that he broke away from Belichick, won a Super Bowl with Tampa, and now Belichick can't get a job. What do you think, Kevin? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe, but... Uh, is Tom Brady that vindictive? Oh, come on. Between the two of them with how that all went down? I, I'm sorry. I'm still caught up on the way he said the criteria. Yeah. I honestly thought we were playing the clip from Isaiah Thomas in the last dance when he's like, I fit the criteria. I don't know what criteria went into selecting that team, but I fit that criteria. That's what that sound bite sounded exactly like. I was still caught yes. up on that. I don't know what the criteria is, but hey, I fit it. So I don't know about him. Handman, you, you know... Brady has got to love this a little bit. Yeah, I think this kind of the way he carries himself, it kind of comes across that way to me. Yeah. And the fact that he's winning the public opinion, at least I would say, right, of, oh, oh yeah. it's more Brady than Belichick. This, this even only, if it's not true, hey, he's winning the public opinion, so he doesn't have to say it. We have not even talked about this. You have got to believe that Brady is absolutely loving this in every single way. You know he does not mind seeing Bill get humbled a little bit. Finally, Emmett Smith, the Hall of Famer on Unsportsmanlike this morning on whether or not he was surprised that Mike McCarthy did not get fired. To be honest, I am a little surprised, uh, all because of the way things ha- has transpired the last few years. Removing Kellen as the OC and taking over the controls of the offense and so forth, uh, I am a little surprised. The way we exited the playoff this year was not it, it was not a good look, put it that way. And it was somewhat embarrassing. It, it lends you to believe that either uh, we're not trained or coached properly. Oh boy. A Hall of Famer, a guy that is part of the just the, the pure fabric of the Dallas Cowboys. A guy who along with Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman and so many others were the foundation of Jerry Jones Cowboys won three Super Bowls is saying, I can't believe this guy didn't get fired. And Emmett also made the comment that the Cowboys talk about being a great organization and try to sell you on them being a great team, but maybe, just maybe, 
when they continue to choke away these playoff games that the proof is not exactly in the pudding. They're more about the talk of it than the actual doing of it. Wow. That for Jerry Jones is going to be tough to hear from Emmett Smith. Carly vs. Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Remember when James Harden called Daryl Morey a liar? Well, he's not the only one. It's next on ESPN Radio and on TuneIn. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. What moves will be made by those hopeful for an NBA title this year as the trade deadline looms? All these good teams want to get in, but they're really limited as far as what they have to offer. The Sixers are a team that are going to be really active. And they have been. A little bit of an issue, though. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sixers have made a couple of moves today, one of which included Pat Beverly getting traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. So Pat Bev was on a podcast. Uh, don't know if it was this was today or recently with the guys from Barstool. And here was the quote that he talked to Daryl Morey when the team was in Denver about, what, 10 days ago or so, the game that uh, Joel Embiid did not play, and he got all the flack for for not playing in Denver against the Nuggets in the altitude or whatever it was. And the response was when he talked to Morey, I guess Pat Bev asked him if he was going to get traded or not, and Daryl Morey said, you traded? No, we're not trading you. Absolutely not. <laughs> Gone. Gone. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never get a mark of the organization. He's a mark That was James Harden. Remember that? Not all that long ago. And that's a rough look for Daryl Morey. You know, you when you go and you tell somebody directly they are not getting traded, and then a couple of weeks later, they're traded like you at the very least have to go back don't you at this point and have a discussion with him a day or two in advance listen i know i said that we at least have had some discussions there's some interest in you so let's talk about this for a minute you do not get the impression that that had happened whatsoever it was more of we're not trading you hey uh yeah you're traded. I wonder if Daryl Morey called him himself to tell him he got traded or he actually just had somebody else do it because that would be a truly gutsy move. That would be a truly gutsy move. And by gutsy, I mean a bit of a jackass move, but <laughs> nonetheless. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. All right, today... NBA trade deadline about 11 and a half minutes from right now. Let's get you caught up on everything that is going on. This just coming in per Woj. As the deadline approaches, the Hawks are keeping DeJounte Murray. The Hawks are keeping DeJounte Murray. 
So for the Laker fans that were hoping that that might be something they could do, that is out the window. The Lakers, of course, had just the one first-round pick. That was the 2029 pick that they could have traded, and that is all out the window on DeJounte Murray. Uh, also, Woj, last few minutes, Pacers acquiring Doug McDermott from the Spurs. Pacers getting Doug McDermott, Dougie McBuckets uh, from the Spurs. And now people know that Doug McDermott's still in the league. Yeah, I was surprised to know that. Like that, you you could have told me the Pacers are acquiring Chris Carlin from the Spurs right now, and I would be equally surprised to find out that, I, in fact, I am in the league. Not knowing that about uh, Doug McDermott still being in the league, honestly. Uh, some of the other moves made earlier today, Jazz sending Kelly Olynyk. And Okai Agbaji, uh, Abaji, I should say. Agbaji. I did that totally by accident. Throwback. Do you have it? You have to play it now. I don't think we. Agbaji. I literally heard it yesterday. And that's why it stuck in my head. Uh, when I was filling in for Greeny a couple of years ago when uh, Abaji was at Kansas, I believe I called him Okai Agbaji. And I walk into the studio yesterday, and Bubba and Cam are there. They don't even say hello. All I hear is, okay, Ogbaji, in my rather noncommittal, high-pitched voice. Welcome back to Bristol, fellas. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Oh, my God. And now it sticks in my head. Abaji! Traded to the Raptors. Otto Porter, first-round pick, uh, going back to Utah. Pacers sending Buddy Heald to the Sixers for Marcus Morris, Furkan Korkmaz, three second-round picks. Um, also, the Thunder getting Gordon Hayward from the Hornets for Davis, Bert, uh, Davis Bertans and Trey Mann. And the Pistons sending Alec Burks to the Knicks along with Boyan Bogdanovich. That was uh, earlier in the show. And the Knicks uh, sending back uh, a couple of second-round picks and Quentin Grimes uh, in that deal as well. So the Knicks doing particularly well in that they get two shooters that helps them out immensely. And Bogdanovich, who is averaging 20 a game, although somebody's got to score, you know. It's kind of one of those situations. But Bogdanovich can give you offense off the bench and shooting, and certainly we know that um, at the same time you can get shooting from Robin Lopez. Uh, Robin Lopez actually on my screen, not shooting from Robin Lopez, getting shooting from Alec Burks uh, because he's a 40% three-point shooter this season. Robin Lopez, uh, that just comes across the screen right now per Woj, uh, getting traded from the Milwaukee Bucks to the Sacramento Kings. And he is expected to be waived and become a free agent. So that's kind of a, you know, one of those deals where it's more of a, a paperwork type deal uh, for a team's salary cap. Now, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. So we told you a second ago that DeJounte Murray is not getting moved. Earlier in the show, we had Scott Perry on uh, in studio with us, the former Knicks GM, now ESPN NBA analyst, who, frankly, at the time, and this is a couple hours ago now, said he didn't expect it to happen. From what I understand, the asking price is pretty high, and no one has yet to give in to that. And I don't 
anticipate that anybody will. So if if I'm guessing right now, I think he's probably still with the team past the deadline and look for the Atlanta Hawks to make a move with one of their guards in the offseason. So that's interesting. The asking price for DeJounte Murray now too high, and that immediately takes the Lakers out of it with the lack of uh, assets that they would have to trade other than trying to sell you on D'Angelo Russell. And if you were sucker enough to buy into D'Angelo Russell out of the last five, six games, you know, you deserve it. You deserve to get punished for that when you look at the rest of your rest of the guy's career and what he's been about. I wouldn't want that guy anywhere near my team right now, uh, considering what he is and uh, the amount of money that is tied to him. And at the same time, I, one move that I am really thrown off by is the Buddy Heald thing. Now, the Sixers, we had Wendy on the other day who told us he expected the Sixers to make somewhere between one and three trades. They sent Daniel House and a 2024 second-round pick uh, to the Pistons through the Knicks. But they also went out and got Buddy Heald um, in exchange for Morris Corkmaz and three second-round picks. Now, look, Buddy Heald's an expiring contract, so it's not exactly something that you have to hang on to. But if you are worried right now about Joel Embiid walking away and you wanted to go out and try to improve this team for winning this season, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. You can't put yourself in that position where you are under the impression you can do something the rest of this year when you don't even know if Embiid is coming back but then you're worried if he does come back, well, you didn't do anything to go out and help me. I got news for you. Unless he has already told them otherwise, I would be absolutely stunned, stunned, if Joel Embiid walks away from the Philadelphia 76ers, and by that I mean demand to get traded and demand to get out, after this season. For Embiid, if you do that, you are going to get destroyed in Philadelphia. And as we have seen, Joel Embiid is pretty sensitive to what goes on, especially if he was going out there uh, you know, and playing when he shouldn't have based off all the criticism from not playing in Denver. I don't think there's any way Embiid lets his Philadelphia legacy end that way, his tenure end that way. Thanks for listening to the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Carlin versus Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin versus Joe podcast.